Tough ruling for Stephen Bannon and his defense team as Judge Carl J. Nichols rules against them. The government prosecutors in this case filed a motion to stop Steve Bannon from being able to argue something, and they won. The judge said, yeah, you know, look, I'm not real happy about this, but the government's right. You can't use that argument based on precedent based on the standard that has been set by courts outside of this judge's control, the courts of appeals and beyond. And so we're going to break down exactly what's happening here. Tough day for Steve Bannon, but it doesn't mean that this case is over. They're still moving forward and preparing a motion to dismiss the indictment in general. And so we'll continue to follow it along, but let's break down what happened here. You can see this was filed on April 6, 2022, only four pages, not big. It is an order coming out of the district court for D.C., spending a lot of time here. And let's take a look at what's going on. This is the judge who wrote it. His name is Judge Carl J. Nichols. And a lot of the time when people sort of see a ruling that goes against their side, one of the first instincts is for people to jump on the judge and say, you know, this judge is biased or outrageous or uh, prejudiced in some way, shape or form. And so we're, we're going to sort of dissect that in a minute. But let's see what's happening here. So the order comes out four pages says pending before the court is the government's motion in limine and a motion in limine is a preliminary motion. It's something that both sides use. Typically, the government wants to, you know, sort of include certain evidence. The defense is generally trying to exclude certain evidence. So you might think of this like blood results in a DUI case. The government, of course, wants to keep that in. The defense is going to want to keep that blood result evidence out and they're going to come up with reasons as to why. It should be precluded. And you don't want to fight over those things in the middle of a trial on day two. And the juror comes, jury's sitting there and you introduce some objection and you fight about it all there. So you deal with these preliminary issues in preliminary motions called motions in limine. Here, what's happening, Steve Bannon's lawyer, um, the they have been putting forward one of their defenses being that Steve Bannon was only relying on their advice, on the advice of counsel. And so they were going to say that Steve Bannon not complying with the subpoena from the fake congressional January 6th committee is sort of protected conduct. You know, he was leaning on his lawyers to make a decision about whether or not to respond. The government filed a motion in limine. They say, hey, judge, we got to rule on this before this thing gets moving. We want to stop the defense from being able to make that argument. So here's what that title sounds like. The motion in limine is to exclude evidence or argument relating to the good faith reliance on law or advice of counsel. So that was filed back on docket entry 29. And so that whole motion is available, of course, on the internet. But it's basically the government saying, we can't let Steve Bannon make that argument. We know they're going to try it at a trial. And so we got to resolve this right now. They're trying to stop it from happening. For the reasons given on the record at the March 16th hearing and discussed below, the court... Ugh, grants the motion. That means the government wins. Darn it. So many people will say, well, this is unfair. Who is this judge? Is there any chance that he's biased or prejudiced? And I looked into it a little bit. Here is a little more about Judge Carl J. Nichols over there in the D.C. circuit. You can see actually appointed by Donald Trump. So sort of that takes away some of the sting there be a little bit different, you might say, if this was like a Clinton judge or somebody who was uh, overly biased and prejudicial. We know that in uh, Trump lawsuits, uh, you know, he, currently he's trying to sort of uh, remove Trump is actually suing Hillary right now. He is moving to get that judge on that case recused because that was a Clinton appointed judge. And he was actually sort of successful in that the judge recused himself. He was not disqualified 
probably make a video on that later. That's a whole separate case. We're back to Bannon though. But here, this is the judge in the Bannon case appointed by Donald Trump. And Bannon is not trying to remove this judge, file a notice saying this is a prejudicial judge in any way, shape or form. He's been on the case for some time, appointed by Trump. And a little bit of background on him. He's not always been sort of a, you know, a one-sided Trump sycophant, as many people might speculate. Here you can see back when Trump was in office, September 27th, Judge Nichols granted in part a plaintiff's motion from TikTok and ByteDance. That's the Chinese company saying he issued a preliminary injunction partially enjoining them from being impacted by Donald Trump's executive order. If you recall, when Trump was in, pre in, in office, he sort of issued all of these executive orders trying to limit some of these Chinese companies, one of them being TikTok and ByteDance. Judge came out and said, now we're kind of not really you know, going to allow all of that to go into fruition. Similarly, we see here that this was sort of different. Now, he, in this case, Donald Trump versus the Committee on Ways and Means, the Committee on the Ways and Means was trying to go get certain records from Donald Trump. And Judge Nichols here issued a temporary order, which stopped all of that from happening. This came about from Letitia Tish James, the tishiest of the tishies with the facial spasms. Anytime she starts talking about Trump, she was trying to bring all this nonsense and he sort of got rid of that. We also see that he's got a very interesting perspective on some of the J6 cases, sort of holding the government to a much higher standard. In United States versus Miller, somebody was charged with a uh, obstruction in the January 6 cases. And what he said is, okay, government, if you want to prove that it's obstruction of Congress certification of the presidential election, we got to have more than they're just walking around in the rotunda of the Capitol. They have to show the government that these defendants actually interfered or tampered with official documents or records. Like, like if they interfered with the election or the certification of the results, you got to show me they did that. Walking through a door that was open is not enough. And so he's actually, you know, sort of holding the government to higher standards in many cases, which I think is the right call. This time though, he's siding with the government. Why is that? Well, we'll take a look here from the ruling. He's basically saying, I've got to follow the higher level courts. You know, the rules are what the rules are. And I'm bound by those orders that come down from a higher court. He says, hey, look, here's what I'm pointing to. It says in Licavoli versus United States, the Court of Appeals, the higher level court has issued these rulings. They've said, look, since, as we've said before, it's been established before that reliance, a defendant relying on advice of counsel, they say, is no defense to a charge of refusing to answer a question. Okay, you can't say, if you're being charged with that, you can't say, I was only following the advice of my lawyer because of course, everybody would do it. Such reliance, they say, is not a defense to a charge of failure to respond to a congressional subpoena. So he goes through, he tells us all the different elements, saying advice does not immunize that simple intention. It might immunize if evil motive and blah, blah, blah. Now, he says, in the case at bar here, there can be no serious dispute about a deliberate intention of Licavoli not to appear before the committee. He did so upon the advice of a lawyer is no defense. The trial judge correctly instructed the jury. So what we're seeing happen here is this judge is taking a look at a prior case called Licavoli. In Licavoli, that individual was also charged with a very similar offense, and maybe even the exact same offense, as Steve Bannon. In that case, they're saying that judge said, well, they tried that argument in the Licavoli case, and the judge in that case, who has more authority than me because they're at the Court of Appeals, said that's not okay. And so that sort of sets the standard here in my court. I got to follow the precedent that's been established in my jurisdiction. 
Steve Bannon's lawyers, they saw that, right? They went out there and they did their research. They found Licavoli and they're like, all right, this case is not good for us. So they issued a ruling or they, they were trying to rebut that argument by saying in his opposition, Bannon and his lawyers said, God, we know Licavoli's out there. We got that. But it's no longer binding on this court. It happened in the past, no question about it, but judge, you're not bound by that ruling. At the March 16th hearing, the court listened to those arguments and said, mm, don't buy it. The defendant offered two reasons in his brief why the court should just ignore that ruling, but neither of those is persuasive, says the judge. <clears throat> Bummer. First, the defendant claims that Lavioli relied on bad law. And they say, yeah, you know, that's not a bad argument. Supreme Court has come out and has sort of tapered back and cut back on some of the holdings. And so it has been watered down a little bit. That's true. But they say, but even if the Supreme Court has done so, the defendant has cited no authority. The court has located none of its own that would allow me to ignore the binding precedent. So yes, it's true. They've watered it down a little bit, but still that bright line is kind of there and I can see it. And unless you can show me why it doesn't apply anymore, I have to follow that line. Second, the defendant notes that in the six decades, right, long time, 60 years ago, since Licavoli was issued, says the meaning of willfully in the criminal statutes have changed. And the judge says, yeah, that's true, right? The, the, the statutes have changed and the language that underpins the holding in Licavoli may have changed. Judge says, that's true. Yeah, that might be true. But none of the precedent dealt with under the U.S. code did change. So basically he's saying, I can't just disregard a valid and on point seemingly holding from a higher court. They're a charge. They're above me. I can't do anything about it. And he says, look, at the hearing, there was also a new argument. Steve Bannon and his lawyers came out. They said that Licavoli is not even applicable here because that case was different. Remember, Steve Bannon used to work for Donald Trump. He was there in the White House. So we have something that's new there. We have executive privilege, which they're saying was not applicable in Licavoli. So we can distinguish these two cases. Yes, maybe it was a congressional subpoena in Licavoli and Bannon. Yes, maybe both of these people refused to comply. Maybe both did so on advice of counsel. All that could be very well be true. But Bannon's got executive privilege. And so they're saying that sort of immunizes him in a way that it didn't with the Licavoli case. Since this argument had not been briefed, the courties asked for supplemental briefings. Bannon gave it. Bannon came out, notes the differences between his reliance on the executive privilege and Licavoli. Bannon argues that because this case involves an interbranch dispute, right, between the executive branch and the congressional branch, while Licavoli did not, this is a different situation. We have now a, a, a problem where we have a separation of powers, a balance of power argument that comes into play here. What happens if we let Congress, like a bunch of psycho lunatics, just create whatever fake committee they want and investigate every single one of their political enemies, like Sean Hannity, Sebastian Gorka, and basically everybody else who they decided was on the oppositional side, going after their text messages and phone records for people who were not even there. That's what's sort of happening here. Bannon is saying this is a very big problem. Executive privilege and these types of concepts were created to insulate, to create the separation of powers, the balance of power. We remember checks and balances from civics class and social studies. Government branches have you know co-equal powers and there are checks and balances that they can use in order to make sure that these that their tools are effective at keeping the branches in check. Here, one of those arguments, of course, from Bannon is these privileges, executive privilege. He's immune. The government, he writes, disagrees. It says, 
No, 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 no. Licavoli's rejection of the advice of counsel turns on the mens rea, the mental state component of this analysis, not so much the action. As the government puts it, they say, by advocating to allow him to raise an advice of counsel defense in his case, even though it's not available to others, the defendant is advocating that the intent element of the offense should change depending on the factual circumstances of the crime. And the government says the difference is in the Bannon case do not relate to the mens rea element. So they're saying that it doesn't have anything to do with the mental state. Okay, both situations, both gentlemen, Licavoli, Bannon, same mental state, same internal dialogue happening in their head, regardless of the external consequences, regardless of executive privilege. And, and so we're going to see here, the court agrees with the government. And so they note that says, we talked about this back on March 16th. If, and this is interesting here, the judge writes this in this order says, I have to agree with the government here on this issue, but I said this previously, if this were a matter of first impression, meaning if there was no Licavoli, if there was no binding precedent or US code or any of that, and it just landed on my desk and it's never happened before because this is a very rarely charged statute. I mean, this is you know sort of a joke of a prosecution. Never happens. He says if it was first impression and I got to decide with this, he says, you know, the court actually might be inclined to agree with the defendant in this case and actually allow this evidence in because it is relevant, isn't it? He references the transcript back at that March 16th hearing. So the judge is sort of on Steve Bannon's side here, but says for the reasons stated on the record during that hearing, Licavoli's binding, nothing I can do about it. It's binding precedent on me. Bannon has failed to demonstrate that it's not applicable here. After all, Licavoli involved a prosecution under the exact same statute that Bannon has here. And the Court of Ex Appeals expressly held no advice of counsel defense on that charge. Just as important, the Court of Appeals rejected the availability of that defense because of mens rea and the requirement under the U.S. Code. Bannon has not provided any belief that the mens rea element can or should be different based on these specific cases. So it's ordered the government in mo the government's motion in limine to exclude evidence or argument about Bannon relying in good faith on the advice of his lawyer is granted. And so that stings that comes out from Carl J. Nichols. And so that was, you know, it's kind of a big part of Steve Bannon's defense and certainly a difficult development in his case. Now, that being said, right, this is why defense attorneys don't carry all their eggs in one basket. And there are multiple arguments that are happening simultaneously. We've covered this. This case is just getting warmed up and there's going to be a lot more to cover. And Bannon has some pretty amazing lawyers and they're going to continue to fight this as we'll see here. There's a lot more to come. So we saw other entries come on from the docket. You can see we've got several different arguments. Steve Bannon and his defense team, they filed a motion to sort of uh, get some additional time to prepare their motion to dismiss the indictment. So they filed that motion, a motion for an extension of time. The government opposed that motion to extend the time. And they're, they, we just got an order on this here today on April 6th. It says here, the judge came out. All right, we've listened to all of the arguments. We're going to grant your motion, Steve Bannon, and deny it in part. We've got some new dates scheduled here on the docket. So the motion to dismiss the indictment coming from Bannon, should be due by April 15th, 2022. So that's coming up here just in a short couple of weeks. And I'm going to imagine that's going to be a big, measy, meaty, juicy meatball. And we're going to cover that in depth, of course. Oppositions to any such motion, then the government responding in opposition, of course, they're going to say, uh, no, we don't want this thing dismissed. They'll respond by May 6th. 
Bannon and his defense team can file their reply by May 17th. It's ordered. Speedy trial uh, time calculations are going to be excluded. What that means is that sort of because Steve Bannon is asking for some additional time to prepare his documents, he's not going to be able to turn around and say that additional time that you granted me, this additional two weeks or so is what it looks like, is not going to count against my speedy trial calculation. Remember, we have a right to a speedy trial here. It's a very important part of a defendant's toolbox when they're charged with the crime, not to let the government delay this stuff out and just you know sort of extend it indefinitely. But in this case, Bannon is now saying, well, I need the time. So I'm going to waive any of those time. Any of those days are not going to count against you government in calculating a speedy trial uh, end date. The court finds that the ends of justice are served by granting this continuance, say it outweighs the interest of the public and the defendant is in a speedy trial signed by Judge Carl J. Nichols on April 6, 2022. So a tough ruling for Steve Bannon, but as you can see, a lot more runway ahead and they are preparing a motion to dismiss the indictment as we speak. And we'll see where it goes. We're going to continue to follow it along. I would love it if you subscribed and followed and joined us in the journey. I look forward to seeing you on the next one.